Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. The world's longest running motorsport magazine show, Midweek Motorsport. News, features, special guests and analysis from the experts. Formula One, sports car and endurance racing, rallying, touring cars and bikes. If it has wheels and an engine and they keep score, it's on Midweek Motorsport. A little after 8 o'clock on a Wednesday night, Wednesday the 7th of October, uh, 8 o'clock in the, or just after 8 o'clock in the UK, that's just after 3 if you're tuned in in the East Coast time zone of the United States of America or wherever you are around the world. Very, very warm welcome to Midweek Motorsport at Series 15, Episode 40, if you can believe that. And thank you all for continuing to download Midweek Motorsport in these troubled times. Our download numbers are very much holding up, so thank you uh, very much indeed for that. Uh, John Hindhoff here uh, at Hindhoff Towers. Up in London, our executive producer is Tim Gray. Good evening to you, Tim. Good evening, John. How are you feeling? You were a bit sort of snuffly and a bit bunged up on uh, Wednesday last week. I'm much better and I've had a lovely dinner tonight. What did you have? I had the Cavolfiori I quattro formaggi. Right, very nice. Is that some kind of pizza? No. Okay. Four cheeses, obviously. Four cheeses, which were red Leicester, mm-hmm. uh, Gruyere, cheddar and parmesan. The first I three go into the sauce and the parmesan is sprinkled over the top when it goes under the grill. Very nice. Um, so was that a, like a four cheese grilled sandwich then? No. Cavolfiori. What is Cavolfiori? Write it down. It looks very similar to the English translation. Cauliflower? Cauliflower. Cauliflower with four cheeses. Yes. Okay. Um, I haven't had dinner yet, and I'm, I'm not not hungry, so very odd. I had a sort of mid-afternoon snack of uh, some cheese, some Landjäger, uh, and some pickles. And uh, I've, I've not felt the need. So we're missing out tonight uh, in terms of dinner. He's just had some cheese and biscuits before we got on the air. Before we kick off tonight, I want to say hi to Matt Endine, who uh, earlier on the day caught up with last week's Midweek Motorsport and enjoyed the Johnny Morlam uh, interview. Some changes to um, the Red River Sport team, by the way, for uh, Bahrain, which we'll get to later on when we do our sports car roundup. He said, uh, really enjoyed what you were talking about and about people being able to compete on a world level when you are effectively a private ace. Rallying does allow you to do that. As a clubman, uh, he and his teammate and an early Nissan Micra on Wales Rally GB, same stages of the world champion, and we start shared the same start and finish ramps. Matt, that was a great point. Well made. And I loved the action picture of the Micra as well. Um, brilliant. That must have been absolutely uh, brilliant. On a packed show tonight, Tim, we have what? 
Uh, we have all the usual features. We'll have Excellent. news. Uh, we we'll, might have some Spanish news. We've got pointless press release of the week. Uh, we'll be joined by Nick Damon and Shay Adam. Uh, we have the Hello. VCO Winner Circle interviews from uh, because we had two VCO events uh, since our last Midweek Motorsport. Face your victory lane, I think we call them, don't we? Yes, we <laughs> might do. What did I say? Winner's Circle? Well, that's close enough. Well, okay. Um, uh, and we'll have some uh, other things as well. Okay, excellent. Uh, you've really sold that to me. Uh, hello to Brody, Flat Four, no FA, EFAs tonight. I've just about dried out from Silverstone on Saturday. I was talking to Peter Snowden about that uh, on Saturday. It was the Aston Martin Owners Club event. It was very wet indeed. So I'm tuning in with a bit of a 944 MOT prep. We want pictorial evidence. Creelty and I are big Porsche Transaxle fans. Uh, hello to Avery uh, Schwalm, who's tuning in tonight. Uh, and to Dave Olcock, and to Andy Blackmore, uh, and to Mick Tomset, to Kevin Payne, to Right Turn Lover, uh, favouring a bit of uh, mum time over MWM time. Very good, I see what you did there. Catching joyfully up on the podcast. Right Turn Lover, family's important. We understand that RTL. And that's how uh, you pronounce the Sport in Welsh. Yes, you're right. Uh, looking forward to another great show for my windmill fix of sanity, says Kevin. Um, with added insanity, which brings st- stability in this uncertain world. Okay, see what you mean. Christian Matthias, planning on listening live. I've got some straightening up done in my apartment this afternoon on my day off. Chris, hope you are uh, tuned in. JMH tuned in tonight. Daniel Summerskill, uh, knowing uh, that you guys like to have a chat about stuff. What about the incidents at the FIA karting? Last weekend. Poison. Yeah, we'll talk about that later on, I'm sure. Uh, Alex Orkin, stir-fried salmon with other wok-based ingredients. Looking forward to all the usual features as I leave the others to watch Bake Off. Oh, Bake Off's back as well. That was last night. What, was it? Yeah. Well, it must be tonight as well. Jack Martin no, says, can't wait for today's... on a delay. Ah, right. Well, the rest of the family are. Can't wait for today's Midweek Motorsport. A good day when you see your first feature... In a photography magazine and your favourite radio show on the same day. Jack, congratulations for getting into uh, what looks to be a magazine called Motor Witness. Yes, issue two of Motor Witness. Uh, and I'm loving those Subaru pictures. Actually, I've got a Gary Dodd Subaru picture that looks rather like that from a few years ago. And I've now managed to lose my place. Uh, Kevin Poulton is in a hotel room in Peterborough, listening live. Uh, not that not far, far away, just up at five or nine. Jonathan Main, listening live while trying to learn how to drive the fearsome Roval uh, on iRacing. Mm. Uh, decidedly More chilly Dubai. Yeah, decidedly chilly Dubai. Phil Anson, hello Phil. Looking forward to Nick's F1 update. Decidedly chilly. 38 degrees with a low of 22. That's the last time. Dubai. All right, okay. Uh, Serafina jumping in just in time. Phil Sharp. Um, the Chicago White Sox not troubling the scorers, so no AFAs for him this week. Yeah, that was disappointing. And I know Carol Brink will be very disappointed at the Padres uh, against the Dodgers uh, last night as well. Awful, awful. What was it? Uh, eighth inning? No, sixth innings. Awful sixth inning uh, for them. 
Uh, Victor Ellis listening while on the Atlanta Freedway traffic on the way to pick up the Ellis girls uh, from school. Orthodontic disappointments and pre-season lacrosse fitness training with number two daughter. No rest for the weary, he says. Thanks for tuning in. Chris Suku, no airfares this week. Chorizo and pumpkin, pumpkin seed mixed leaf salad with croutons and pine nuts for the French dressing. And then I'm faffing in the study and notarising an idea. Mm. Uh, normally good ideas from Chris, actually. We need to get to the bottom of that. Oliver Giles listening in while enjoying a freshly prepared chicken salad with new potatoes. And Ian McCarthy, no airfares. Looking forward... Oh, sorry, airfares. Looking forward to the podcast and best wishes to the collective. Now, uh, we are about to go to our top story in motorsport but there really is only one top story tonight uh, it is motorsport related and that is a very happy anniversary 31st wedding anniversary tonight for martin and sarah rigby who remarkably have eschewed any other form of celebration and are having a chinese and a couple of bottles of stella and listening to midweek motorsport congratulations to the pair of you 31 years married this evening and you're choosing to listen to Midweek Motorsport, above and beyond, above and beyond. Right, play the jingle. All the latest motorsport news from around the world. Midweek Motorsport. Uh, Shuffle those papers, Tim. What comes to the top? Honda. Ah, the power of dreams has turned into a nightmare. Well, it depends which Honda you're talking about. Well, Honda in North America is very much uh, uh, a good news story, but one that we'll do later in the show, uh, because we're going to look at Honda in Formula One. Hooray! I'll take any lead in now, not even my name. (laughs) (laughs) I was just about to say, for which we need... Nick Damon. Uh, Nick Damon, our Formula One correspondent, but he was there. He was off as soon as the lights, the five lights were out and he was gone. The hand clutch was dropped and he's charging down towards the first corner. Magnificent. Was it, was it a jump start? That's the question. No, looking back looked, at. We've looked at it. The stewards have looked at it. He was there. He was right there. As the LEDs faded gently into the distance, which I know LEDs don't, they just snap out. He was there. Magnificent stuff. Uh, Honda. Um, <laughs> Nick Honda, Damon, are, are you in the uh, uh, Helmut Marco uh, camp or are you in the Christian Horner camp? That is the choice. Like, I uh, would never, of camping, I'd never want to go on. Yeah, as, I, as they are, in my bottom five people I have any particular time for in F1, they're both there. I'm, I'll go with Christian because I've always wanted to meet Jerry Horner. Right. I'll and tell camping. you what you want, what you really, really want. <laughs> exactly, yes. So th- this is Honda. Because um, in my mind, of course, with um, Helmut and, and uh, Christian, two become one. Very good. Uh, the, do, do you know why I've given the... you the two options, though, Nick? Um, I, I assume they have. They, uh, is it because Christian? Is it? I, there's a lot of things because there's been so much contradictory stuff since the announcement came out. Is it because Helmut says that they, he's known for ages, and Christian said he didn't know at all? Correct. Well, this is yes. the story, by the way, that uh, came out. Without any great fanfare, that Honda uh, are going to cease supplying Formula One engines and building Formula One engines, uh, and they'll be gone at the end of the 2021 season. That's right, Nick, isn't it? Yep. 
uh, which, okay, that's another major manufacturer uh, who are leaving Formula One uh, just at the time when... Another? Who's the previous one? Well, BMW left. Yeah, 2009. Well, it seems like five minutes ago to me. <laughs> it's just a, it's just another uh, indication of a failing, a failing formula, isn't it? It's a Not very really, different formula to 2009, though, well, isn't it? Why did they cite? What reasons did they cite for leaving, Nick? Uh, because it's not um, part of their overall plan, their their vision for the future, where they want to take their technology R and D. They want to refocus the Secura plant, which is where all the R and D is done. All the greatest brains are away from F one, and take those greatest brains into challenging the once in a hundred year event in the motor motor, motor world, which of course will be the second event ever in motoring. Things they've been around for one hundred and ten years, um, no, one hundred and twenty years, uh, and they would uh, and they, they, to plan for the electrolyzation, hybridization, and for some reason why no one's talking about, it, which someone has started developing hydrogen fuel cells properly, um, moving forward. So and F1 is no longer where they want to be, despite the fact, of course, that actually F1 engines are the most efficient hybrid yep. uh, engines in the world. Yeah, yeah. But Agreed. let's not try and pick but, holes but in does, Honda's announcement. But does that does that not say something about the relevancy of the technology in Formula One engines? Because we see with other Japanese manufacturers, notably Toyota, who've been involved with hybrid racing for a long time now with their sports car program and will continue so to do with the new LMH or whatever it's called um, their new car which as we know from Brendan Hartley exists and will be being tested very shortly and he sat in it at least uh, he sat in uh, part of the structure of the car um, they pay for that racing out of road car R&D and genuinely because I have spoken to people from Toyota about this because they feel they get a technology dividend that they can then either learn from or directly apply to their road cars, which, let's be honest, they really need to because a, a Prius hybrid isn't as efficient as, let's say, a Porsche Panamera hybrid. So they've got a bit of catching up to do. Um, yes, you're right. And no, you're not. Um, the whole point, the whole point behind the initial hybridization regulations back in 2012, which got introduced in 2011, they got introduced in 2014, were because they wanted to, to look at um, what would at least seem road-relevant technologies. Yeah. Obviously, the, the regen is, and of course, the ERS, the, the heat exchanging, was also something which Mercedes were particularly keen to, to examine because they thought that was going to have a big plus point to play within automotive technology. As it happens, it's not really happened. We haven't seen the, the heat recovery really in any sort of um, rolling out very much into road cars. There are rumours it's going to start coming, but it's... so. It started from the right place. What's happened, of course, is that they've had two chances to change these regulations, but it's too expensive to change them. So you've kind of been locked into a yeah. 2012 vision of what hybrid or 2011 vision of what hybridization will look like. So what we have got is absolutely fantastic, unbelievably impressive pieces of engineering and electrical and um, you know chemical brilliance, but. Perhaps because of the passage of time, they are less aligned with where cars are going to go than they thought they would be. And because of the huge investment in them, they can't make a volt fast and change round and do something else. So they I are like did there, until... a volt fast, not an amp Thank fast, you. a volt fast. Very good. Until 2026 when the new regulations come out, which interestingly 
I would are going to have to be very carefully done because they're going to have to be both relevant and cheap, which is a hard thing to do. So um, are you suggesting they just went they, too early, Nick? I'm suggesting I'm suggesting they they went they they just they knew what they wanted to do. They wanted to keep the manufacturers in, and, and they were pretty un, under the impression that Honda might join, and they and they wanted to make it relevant. And therefore, you've got three, two manufacturers who are in road cars, Renault and uh, Mercedes, saying we want this, that and the other. Ferrari going, yeah, we're happy to have a nice engineering exercise in engines because we're sure we can find some loopholes. The engines are in the rules in a couple of years. Just loopholes, of course. I don't want to lose my pass. Um, you know, and... Uh, what pass would that be exactly? Any pass I may future get. They might, ah. they, might come, they might come here and raid my special memories box and take all the passes I had in the view the years gone by, you know, yeah, for saying true. the word, saying the C word. You don't say the C word about Ferrari. It's not allowed anymore. Uh, but seriously, I mean, I, I think that, you know... It, it, yeah, I, I don't. I don't actually think that the F1 engines are particularly relevant anymore because they've, they, in many ways, they've, they've, they've perhaps they've proven what isn't isn't doable rather than proven what is doable. But they are stuck in this concept. That they're so expensive they can't get anybody. They don't want to stop making them. That's also prevents a Cosworth coming in to provide a general customer engine because we've had a huge amount of wasn't it great during the Cosworth V8 era publications this week. <laughs> but you know. And and they have to think careful what they're going to do about 2026 because they they I mean and also the, the, the other the other downside of this current regulations they're so heavy they're so heavy um, which doesn't really lead to efficiency so yeah there's, as always it's always difficult with F1 because you can't just say I'm going to do something because it's got so much politics and money attached to it but I'm not massively surprised Honda pulled out. Um, and it's, it, the F1's in no worse position it was in, in 2014 when it had three engine manufacturers just back to where it was. And what's the regulations regarding uh, regarding supply of engines then? Because obviously the two teams that are affected are Red Bull and Alpha Tauri, the second of the Red Bull teams effectively. They're, they're both Honda powered now. And uh, that leaves them the option of... Uh, Mercedes, oh yes please, because uh, they're the best. Uh, Ferrari, uh, no thank you, because they're not very good at the <laughs> moment. Uh, and somewhere in the middle is Renault, with whom of course they had a difficult relationship in the past. And, and uh, well answer that first, but then I want to ask you about the regulations about them being able to potentially uh, uh, have dispensations to change the cars if they've got to change the engine like McLaren did. Um, well, the real rules are very simple. Um, if you're in a situation where someone has to have an engine, um, the engine suppliers are not allowed to say no, but the, but the engine supplier who is supplying the least number of teams has to take over. And they have to charge them 15 million, I think it's euros, it might be dollars. I know no more than. Yeah, no more than for the year supply. So actually, as we stand with four Mercedes teams, three Ferrari teams and one Renault team, the guaranteed position for um, Red right. Bull is to take a customer supply um, of Renault engines at 15 million, I'll say euros a year and have to start talking to Cyril Abitaball again, which I'm sure Chris would be chuffed about. Um, <laughs> but you know, remember that Helmet says that Christian won't get involved in that sort of thing. It's all got to be Dietrich that does that. Yes, we're getting involved in all the uh, in all the sniping that will happen as soon as anything goes wrong. And this is yeah, this is the problem. You, you've got to be careful what bridges you burn because you never know where you're going to be people again. Now, it, it is of course a situation where the Renault engine um, has to be supplied in exactly the same format, both hardware and software, to the customer team. So there's no right. there's no loss on that. But of course, the thing you have to, that, that that they only provides on that is of course that that would require 
uh, Red Bull and AlphaTauri using the same fuel and lubricants because um, if they use a different fuel and lubricant, then they are fighting for um, dyno time to get their um, it matched in with their particular petrol brand. And Renault could just not really bother that much about that point of thing. So it may mean they'd have to use Total, even if they ended up pretending it was something else. I can't actually remember offhand who the fuel and lubricant sponsor for Red Bull is. It Castrol, I can't remember. Mobile. But Mobile. One. Mobile. Mobile, so that would be an issue, um, and that's where they might lose out. Don't forget, in the first year of uh, when 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 McLaren last had Mercedes, they have Mercedes again at the end of this year. They managed to just um, ignore 30 horsepower because they insisted on not using petrol fuel. So there are some silly people out there. Um, yeah, so that's it. But, but yeah, obviously there is nothing to stop. Um, Christian trying to get a supply from Mercedes or Ferrari. They're actually interesting to get a supply from Mercedes. They need to get a dispensation from the other teams because no one team is allowed to dominate the engine supply either. So they actually had to be, they actually had to get, McLaren had to get everyone else to agree to let them use Mercedes engine because it, would, it was unbalancing the, ah, the, really? the power supply. Yeah. So as it turned out, no one minded, but it was, you know, that was, that was the point. So, um, yeah. So, uh, and to answer your second question, no, it won't affect the tokens because they'll be pr- integrating their new engine into a completely new car, the 2022 um, right. uh, design. So everything will be new. So, yeah, I mean, it's given enough warning on that. They'll want to sort it out quite soon. Um, you know, realistically, the 95% chance is they'll end up with Renault engines. The 5% chance is they'll find some way of doing a deal to, t- to take over the Honda, di- the Honda engines. And, and rebrand them rebrand them yeah i was going to ask that is that is that a genuine option that they the, could do that yes. and then it could be a red bull red bull the yep yeah, but the only downside on that is is that whilst they are serviced and a lot of the work is done out of milton Keynes as well they're actually developed and a lot and sort of built built over in japan so it's not quite as simple as just taking over the UK operations. For example, just just to point out, yeah, because Tim mentioned, I know we talked later about HP. The HPD in the States is a standalone organization based in California, which you could just buy and carry on, and everything is in there. Unfortunately, F1 engine is split between Japan and the UK, which makes it more complex just to buy it out. Just on a, and also, of course, the engineers who are developing it are Honda employees and sort of their rising stars who might be not so keen on relocating to Europe and, and running an F1 project. Could we see the return of Mugen? Well, anything, it's a really good point, Tim. Anything's possible with cash, but it really depends what Honda want to do. And, and sometimes they, 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 the manufacturers just want to pull out and they don't want to be involved anymore. And they don't want to have a, you know, a, a long tail of drift. But yeah, I mean, there's no reason why Mugen Honda couldn't do it, again, apart from the fact that the development is significantly more complex than it was when they were making V10 engines. Anything else to say about Honda? Uh, yeah, I don't think I think it's a little bit disingenuous that I think basically they've quit because they don't think they're getting return on investment. <laughs> I don't think it's anything to do with, um, you know, future plans or anything. Hmm. I mean, I you know, agree with that, which is you know, why the, the, yeah. moving the uh, current uh, department to a offshoot um, might be a face-saving uh, thing in Japan without actually leaving the uh, sport yeah but i think that i think that but they've they've spun it so they're leaving having achieved their aims because both teams have won which is quite impressive they're the only engine to have won with two two different teams believe it or not um in the hybrid era um yeah no one's no other engines won in two different teams because there's only four some of them haven't won in any teams (laughs) 
um, no, no, they've all won in some team. Have they? Even the Renault? Yeah, Renault. Yeah, they won, they won loads of races with Red Bull. Okay. But normally when, when yeah, the Mercedes hit each other, but uh, yeah, they've all... Asterisk, they, they, Phil. No, no, absolutely not. Uh, yeah, you know, it's I, it, it, it's disappointing. It's quite amusing again because much as I, I do love the the way that uh, things come back to haunt you, much like the year of penance that uh, Ferrari are currently running. Yes. Um, and uh, now Christian Horner has to has to go cap in hand to Cyril. I mean, you know, not yeah. You know, that's rather amusing. I'd love to be in that uh, in that meeting. You know, okay. All right, Cyril, we love you really. But you know, hey ho. What else has Marco re- revealed this week? Goodness only knows. Could be anything with Helmer. It, it, tell me all. Uh, the girlfriend of one of his drivers has got COVID-19. Right. Is that a COVID party? Did he say which driver? He didn't. So now is it or down which to which girlfriend? <laughs> Dare I say? <laughs> Very good. Very good. Uh-huh. As far as we're 70s. aware, there are only four girlfriends. Although, isn't Daniel Kriat actually married to his... Yes. Did yes. they not get married last year and they had a baby? Yes, yes. correct. So, so we're down to girl, so we're down to three girlfriends. Th- three drivers and uh, a number. How many girlfriends? See, that could be a new <laughs> F1 game show. Can, can you name had. the partners of the Red Bull athletes, Nick? No, I've always been. I, I, no, it's, 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 it's part of my uh, my credo is not to get involved with 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 the girlfriends. Let's or do the it. <laughs> Well, clearly, but let, let's do a little quiz and see if you can match the uh, girlfriend to the driver. <laughs> Go on, then. All right. First of all, we're going to have a German student, Delara Sandlick. Delara, She's not really name, called Delara. Really? That's with an I, right. but yes. So, German. I'm going to go because Germany is close to the Netherlands. I'm but she's a student in London. Oh, I'll go for Danny Ricardo then. He's not a Red Bull driver. Oh no, he's not, is he? Sorry, I've, I, I guess. Who's uh, so? My, my choice is a Pierre Gasly, Max. Oh, it's Alex Albon, isn't it? Obviously, it's not. Uh, it was no. Max Verstappen. Uh, well, you can't put me off. So hang on. You've got to check your first answer, Nick. Oh, you were yes. right. <laughs> I was right. Yeah. So, so he's got. So it's Delara, the German who lives in London, is going out with Max, who's living. Where's Max live? You live in the Netherlands still? I in Monaco, so. I suppose. Monaco. They all live in Monaco. Uh, Kelly PK. Who is the daughter of Nelson Piquet, or one of the daughters oh, of that's, Nelson Piquet? That's, that's good, really. Oh, I, I want to go for uh, Pierre Gasly for that one. That's incorrect. Oh, is it Alex? Is it? Okay, no, that's uh, that's Daniel. Yeah, it's wife. Yes. And uh, and uh, has isn't she uh, pregnant at the moment as well? No, she had, had a baby, baby last she year. Baby. She had the baby, right? Yeah, yes. yeah. in the German Months Grand Prix ago. last year. Oh, right? yes, that's right. That's right. Not at uh, the Grand Prix itself, but around that time. Professional golfer Lily Mooney Hay. That's Alex Albon. That is Alex Albon. I knew that one. Well done. Uh, which means Caterina Massetti Zanini is the one that's left. And Pierre Gasly's misses. Pierre Gasly. Partner. I'm really pleased I don't know the answer to these questions. Can I, I ask I'm gonna ask I'm gonna ask a question here. Mm-hmm. Go on. And I, I'm not I'm not being awkward, and I'm not doing it just to be awkward. <laughs> That's the first. But if my wife had co- had tested positive for COVID, I'd have to self isolate and quarantine for 14 days. Why don't the, why doesn't whichever one uh, of the Red Bull driver have well, to do that? 
that's maybe they're not living together yes and what about if they were over in um they're off in their bubble their fun bubble in in russia for a few days and she got the sniffles and didn't feel very well and tested and then they tested the guy and he didn't have it and he'd gone past his his quarantine days i don't know it's a good point though actually he should be he should be he should they should be isolating even if they're not even they're still allowed to go to germany they're testing them four or five times convenient that well yeah but don't forget they will be tested to the back of their you know back of beyond and as long as you test negative you don't have to yeah but that only uh, that only proves that you're you're negative at the time of the test. Yes, but they if they you don't, don't take forget a how test much... hourly during the time of the Grand Prix, do you? No, but you get you take a test two days before. So they would have been tested on the they'll be tested tomorrow. No, today, today. Wednesday. Hmm. And they'll be tested on no, they'll be tested they were tested on Tuesday. Before and they'll be they get te- there on Thursday, yeah. Tested on Thursday and they'll be tested on Saturday. Hmm. Or sometimes so they'll have so yeah. If, I know what you're saying, but to be honest, they keep testing negative. You can't read anything about it, can you? We well, can, but they're not going to be a racing driver. It's all about viral load. Mm. No, you're right. It's absolutely. And you can you can be you can be spreading the virus and still test negative. Mm. But that's the world we're living in at the moment. Anyway, so. moving on. Is that it? Please uh, tell me that's it. Yes, we're not going to talk about girlfriends anymore. Excellent. Uh, <laughs> we're going to talk about Friday's big announcement. That's in two days' time. Yes, the day after tomorrow, Alfa Romeo will announce its drivers for the 2021 Formula One World Championship, and neither of them are going to well, be Antonio Giovinazzi. No, Do we know that really for sure? Exciting. No, of course not. He's fired. The only question <laughs> is, and this is the real thing, is it, is it going to be Kimi or not? Yes, it's definitely yes it Mick. is going to be Kimi. I think it's going to be uh, Kimi. Raikkonen and Schumacher. Where does that uh, remind me of? I don't know. They've, they've never driven together before. No. Because he, he replaced him, of course, remember? Raikkonen replaced Michael at Ferrari. But, yes, it's a dream team, but, but you know, perhaps generationally slightly wrong uh, for some. But, yeah. Isn't there another Raikkonen coming along that we could... There is. It's Robin, Robin Raikkonen, who's about six at the moment. Yeah, well, that's it. He'd have an advantage. He'd be smaller in the car. That could make the car smaller around him. That'd be good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think... I mean, it does, I don't think... That, I think if Mickey's... Announced for the Alfa Romeo drive, it's going to surprise no one. Um, he's certainly done well enough in in F2 to get the seat. And he's leading the championship, and you know he could be in the top two depending on the luck in the final four races. He's won he's won a couple of feature races. He's obviously put together a championship. He's a two he's a two season driver. You know, I think yeah. it's really interesting about the the way. I mean, I, I know I think it's really interesting that we we've, we've got impatient with how young drivers come through the system it if you have always won- two seasons mate it was always yeah. two but seasons. these days yeah if you haven't done the whole thing by the time you're 19 they think you passed it you know <laughs> the, you know jim clark didn't start driving till he was 20 graham hill didn't pass his test till he was 20 something but we've got completely bent out of shape on youth now and right because in fact max is a great just done a, a great job but there isn't a reason hey, why i didn't turn- do my first my fabulous motor sparkling motorsport career didn't start till i was in my 30s i didn't do my first motor race till i was in my 30s are, you see. but you know there's no reason i still why haven't done a motor race and uh, well, i'm now in my 40s so my career is going to be well, even later than yours well and, and who knows how good you might be tim that's you know we just don't know that yet i mean i did a charity karting thing um with Fabrizio Giovinardi and uh, Tom Chilton. And in free practice, I was third fastest. Yeah. 
There you go. Um, Obviously, the by the time we got to the race, driver, by the time we got to the race, Not I was anymore. so tired I couldn't <laughs> steer anymore. <laughs> but a bit, a bit of, bit of fitness work, I'll be fine. Well, that's your new you're career. Too tall. Fantastic stuff. No, I mean, the, 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 motor racing drivers are getting taller, aren't they? Yeah, I was thinking of that when I saw the pictures of um, Robert Schwartzman, just to link it back to Ferrari Juniors. He's a tall lad, isn't he? he is. the work. And it never but stopped Alex kind of, becoming so a world champion. Well, Alex was much, well, he wasn't the world champion in F1, he was mu- and he was much more penalised then because they hadn't sorted out the minimum weights as quite as, as freely. But and, st- um, still, the, the, the drivers still... Um, F1 drivers have been given a couple of kilos, but that's all. I mean, still, shockingly, um, they have to be sweated down within a Not millimetre. quite, they got, they got five, was it, or three they got last year. Five before, last and that helped year. quite a lot. Yeah. That helped quite a lot. Um, particularly I mean, people like you can, you can now Lewis. Be Lewis, well was able to, your... Lewis was able to put on muscle, and uh, Danny Kvyat was able to eat. <laughs> yes, you can right. now be 70 something, can't you? Which is. Yeah. Which is absolutely um, yeah, it is still, what you should be at that age anyway. Not quite the world of jockeys as it was, but it's still, you know, it, it obviously helps to be 5'8", five, 5'7", five, rather than 6'2". Who's yes. going to be driving a Renault at Barcelona on Tuesday? Anybody who picks up a higher car from the airport. Excellent work. Um, is it going to be their young driver? Is it going to be, be surprised. Young Jing Zhao or Lundeberg? No, it's a filming day. Oh, is it? Oh, well, it'll be um, Fernando Alonso then. It will be Fernando Alonso. Because they're putting him in the car for any excuse. Um, <laughs> but, you know. So he just... is literally driving. Uh, oh, we've got, a, we've got a Renault Clio ad that we need to film. Fernando Alonso, get him in the Renault. Well, I mean, I'm not quite sure what the filming day is going to do of any use to him because you're not allowed to go more than 150 miles an hour and you have to use. 150 hard kilometres time. an hour. No, no. No, 150 miles now you can go. Right. But don't forget that you're doing 190 to 200 down the back straight right. of Barcelona. And um, you're on rock hard tyres. And, you know, if you're, you're one of, you can familiarise yourself with the buttons on the steering wheel just as easy on the simulator. So I'm not That's overly true. sure. I think it's obviously, it, well, I, obviously, I realise it's completely PR, but I'm not totally sure of the value, if it has any value um, for Fernando. It does a get them some footage ever. of uh, Fernando in an actual car. Oh no! It's, as I say, it's in it's, a Renault race suit. Yeah, and given the fact that their their actual driver who's doing the business is leaving, um, it helps, doesn't it? Really? Um, have you noticed the backlash to Ocon recently? Everyone's going to go in. But he hasn't been very good, has he? You were promoting he's, him as no. the saviour of French motorsport. Well, he was looked well. I thought he was okay, but I mean, he's, he's, it's all good news for George Russell. If George could just sort out his first laps. Or is it? On the subject of first laps, who's the who's the best driver over the first lap? Oh, is in it Kvyat? Overtakes. Is it Kvyat? It's not Kvyat. Who is it? Tell me, I'm interested about this one. It is Kevin Magnussen. Oh. He's made the up for the most According to Haas. Oh, really? I, know, okay. I, <laughs> I love okay. that. Yo! Still doesn't, mean, still doesn't mean he's got a job for next year. It doesn't. Who might be buying Haas? Uh, Nikita Marzipan's dad. Yeah, Dimitri Marzipan. Um, I know it's not really his name, Marzipan, but... Are they gonna, uh, well, does that mean that the current two drivers are going to have to Battenberg down the hatches to keep their jobs? <laughs> <laughs> How many years have you been storing that one up for? Get in! Back of the net! Quick. Back the, of the net! 
the the team has uh, said it's not for sale, uh, but uh, Gene Haas has not closed his ears. Gene Haas has Gene Haas has said on many occasions it is for sale. Yes, yes. Gene Gene Haas is uh, absolutely open to offers. The team everything's uh, for denies sale. that. Everything is right for sale. Price. At the right price. Everything I think is Hat has been on eBay for the last two years. What are you talking about? Yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, then again, they, they could get some, they might get some cash by selling, selling their second seat to, to Ferrari for Callum Eilat. That might make them some money. Ooh, um, cool. And um, now there's this conceptual battle between the Perez as well. Because um, the other thing that you didn't mention about. Um, Helmut Marco was he's changed his tune about Alex Albon, hasn't he? It's not absolutely. It's not absolutely guaranteed that the uh, the oh no, Albon's they've got Luke Warren Albon. It's not absolutely guaranteed they'll necessarily take one of their drivers into the second seat of Red Bull. Mm. That opens the door for Perez, then, doesn't it? And Harkenberg. They just needed. They just need a solid number two. They haven't even got to call him number two because they've just become number two by by nature. But they need someone who's not going to let them down the whole time, and neither of those two drivers would. Whereas, unfortunately, Gasly and Albon, for reasons of inexperience and not being able to take the pressure of being a teammate, have been. So, sticking someone solid like Hulkenberg or Perez, and they'll pick up the points, and also they'll be there to, you know, actually be able to run a second driver strategy. Let's move on to contract news. Say. Oh, go on. Uh, Mexico City. Has a new contract, apparently. Perez probably isn't it. Is, is this safe? anything to do with motor racing or is this football related? <laughs> no, th- this is uh, this is very much motor racing. Uh, if you remember, the uh, Mexican government uh, decided to cut its subsidy um, of the uh, Mexico City Grand Prix, but a group of local businessmen have uh, decided that uh, they're quite happy to pay forty-five million dollars a year to continue it. Five million dollars a year. 45 million. Wow. That's a lot more than even Silverstone are paying. But it tells you how much inward investment it brings. Or mm. possibly not. Or well, possibly there could be another reason. Five sounds, I, I could five sounds significantly high to me. I would say that's probably a nice bit of PR number. I'm sure you get a tax write off for tourism attracting events, don't you? Of course you do. Yeah, 100%. Is that the sound of the washing machine I can hear in the background? <laughs> Is that the laundrette being yes, the I, I, laundrette I, being moved in? I, I, oh, I, I can't. Just... I can't believe that event cost me forty-five million dollars, but you only paid twenty-four. It cost me forty-five million dollars. <laughs> oh, okay, right, yeah, okay. <laughs> Fifty-four. Oh, right, okay. Sorry, it's just an accounting error. The uh, oh, the announcement due to be uh, <laughs> or it's due to be announced tomorrow. So. Let's okay. Uh, okay. look right. forward to oh, that. Let's wait for that then. Yeah. Let's be honest, Red Bull always go really well there, so they can get Perez in the Red Bull in Mexico next year. Who knows what might oh, happen? Oh, that's a good point. That's a very good point. Uh, anyway, meanwhile, uh, Sao Paulo's <laughs> definitely off the calendar. Is it? Because yeah, trying to get Rio in. a letter has been leaked uh, from Chase Carey to the uh, Rio people uh, telling them that they've got a Grand Prix. But what's the Her issue with that, Rio. Nick? No, they haven't got a track. They haven't got a track. <laughs> yeah. And there's environmental issues. But the also, what's the word for it? Um, right wing, let's say, president of uh, Brazil has said he's going to sort it out. And I don't think he'll truck much um, argument. Mm. 
Uh, I think one of the issues here, this is uh, the Diodora circuit. Um, really? Yes. Okay. Uh, Rio did have a Grand Prix circuit. It was called Jacques Repagua, and it was demolished Jacques in Pagua. 2012 so that they could build the uh, Olympic, Olympic Park. Olympic Village, yeah. Uh, Which has been used once. For the Olympics, <laughs> yes. Uh, well, twice, because it was used for the Paralympics afterwards. Yeah. Um, and then part of the... Um, agreement for demolishing Jack Rapagua was that they did have to build a new motor racing circuit somewhere in Rio. Um, Which never happened. Do you know why it didn't happen? Because they went back on their agreements like governments often do? No, it's because the, no, site, because was the site was a former military uh, base. Oh, was it? Right. I knew there was something a problem with the site. Yes. I, I, I there were landmines some... buried in it. Ah, okay. You need to get those landmine finding ferrets. Or well, it's not ferrets. It's, it's these large rats. You've not seen this. They're not actually rats. They look like rats. They're large rats. They've trained to sniff out landmines. Right. It's true. Who else is going to have a problem hosting a Grand Prix in Rio in 2022? What, beyond the government and the track and everything else? Well, beyond Formula One. Uh, motorcycling then. Yeah, MotoGP. They've also got a contract uh, to hold that race in from 2022. Do we think a year and a bit is enough to build a track? Um, no, no, but who can tell? Um, my guess is no. <laughs> yeah, my I, I, I believe, however, Silverstone is prepared to hold the uh, Rio de Janeiro Grand Prix. It's only a bit further than Wales, isn't it? Uh a giant, an African giant pouched rat has been. That's it. Told uh, you. So. Detecting landmines. Magua is the rat's are. name. It's just <laughs> one. Oh, it's just well, I thought it was a whole team of them. You know, it's a singer. It's a well, rat it, it got the PDSA gold medal apparently. Uh, and best giant in show. Cat-sized <laughs> rodents native to Africa. Bad vision, but an extraordinary sense of smell, making them the perfect candidates for discovering uh, hidden landmines. There you go. Told you. Okay. I didn't make it up. No, no, I'm fine. And the rat won the bravery medal. I'm not sure it realised it was being brave. <laughs> maybe, maybe nobody who's being brave realises they're being brave. can't be realised being brave. You can't see the sign saying danger mines, can it? Well, that's right, because they haven't got great eyesight. Exactly, I mean, so I, it's, just, it's just going for a wander. Yeah. It's slightly okay. bumpy around here. <laughs> I wonder how, do they sniff out the, uh, the explosive then? That's interesting, so. isn't it? Hmm. I thought C4 was odourless. Well, oh, it is to humans. From my, yeah, from my, ah, from my career point. working on Counter-Strike, but nothing else. I can't, be, I, I can't believe that, that, is, that Nick's come up with that. That's brilliant. Well done. Anyway, moving on. Uh, we have a world champion crowned. In what? F2? No, because Formula 2 is not a world championship. Uh, this is a clue. That sounds a bit like, um, uh, oh man, nice Is that Ricky Martin? It's not Ricky Martin. Who is it then? The Baja. It's Enrique Iglesias. 
Iglesias. That's that's who I meant. Uh, because uh, our champion, who was crowned at the weekend, also sounds like Enrique Iglesias because he's Jeremy Iglesias. And what was he crowned in then? He was crowned uh, FIACIK World Karting Champion. That's all that happened at that meeting. Let's uh, move uh, on. And yes, <laughs> absolutely right. Absolutely right. Uh, Philippe Massa was there to see it. Yes, because mm. he's uh, head of a, karting. Yeah, they had a bumper uh, crowd there. Bumper crowd, yep, yeah. yep. And <laughs> yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And I, 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 I'm with you, Nick. We shouldn't be giving any further publicity to the people involved in... Apart from the first French world champion and the first Israeli ever world champion at karting. Yeah. So mm. congratulations to the guys yeah. who won. Well can, done. You, can you believe there's never been a French world karting champion? No, no I found that time. difficult to believe. I really did. Yeah, that was a, that's a good point. All uh, those years of, of the, you know, FFSA doing great work bringing people through, but clearly... Um, they were picking people up out of the cart and then shifting them on into, you know, Elf, uh, La Filière yeah. and stuff like that. It's a Winfield school, wasn't it? In, 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 yeah, uh... yeah, down at yes. Ricard, um, Elf, La Filière, uh, Winfield school. They, they were very, very active in a way that I'm not sure very many other national motorsport organisations have been in actually putting real money into up-and-coming drivers drivers in a scholarship program down mm. through the years not not just you know um a few quids barely in, barely enough to get them into actually probably wouldn't have been enough to pay for them for a super super one season in the uk never mind get them into f3 but no they're, they're down through the years but I, I i very much the same uh when i read that tim i'm with you i, I found that amazing because you you i'd expected that the that the french um the French various uh, French talent spotting and supporting schemes down through the years had started in karting and therefore had, you know, produced French world champions, but not in any category and uh, not in world championship level, at least. Until the weekend. Lot, lots of Belgians and Italians. Mm. Uh, who else was racing uh, uh, there at Lenato? Who has a famous father? Hello? Well, that doesn't narrow it down very much, does it? Uh, was it Dave Miggins' son? It wasn't. Oh, with the pie sponsorship. Yeah. Go on, you just tell us, because we, we don't know. Uh, Baz Lammers. Ah, all right. Uh, who is a two-time... Uh, is what? Champion. Double. He's previously he's, he's won on two time, two occasions. twice a champion, has he? Yes, in 2010 and 2012. Right, he's won two championships there. Mm-hmm. Yes. Excellent. For different manufacturers. Well done. <laughs> Moving on. We're still vaguely in the area of single-seaters, but we've sort of moved on to karting here from Formula One. It is single-seaters nah, to me. Yeah, all right. It's a, rever- it's a reverse progression, isn't it, really? Are we going to talk about the weekend's race before we move on to something else? Because I feel we've been... Oh, we want to talk about the weekend's race. So we're at the uh, Nürburgring this weekend, Nick. Yes, And it's we going are. to snow. And I... Yes, it's, it's the first time since... Well, you know, that's a very good point. It's the first time since 2013. I didn't realise it had been so long. Um, I thought the, the alternating drivers, between Hockenheim and... Yeah, the three drivers who were on the podium at the uh, Nürburgring Grand Prix in 2013... Uh, are all mm-hmm. still racing in Formula One, and 
are you going to agree with me that none of them is going to be on the podium this weekend? Is it? It's Fettel. Yeah. Is it Fettel, Raikkonen, and Grosjean? Is it? No, it's Fettel, Magnussen, and Grosjean. I think oh, it might be Raikkonen. Yeah. Yeah. You're no, right, Raikkonen. Like, uh, uh, no. None yeah, of those Reichen four. Are going, been there, yeah. None of those four are going to be on the podium. Uh, no. Um, well, let's be really honest about this. Um, if it is a normal, anything close to a normal race, then the podium will be Bottas, Hamilton, and Verstappen. Just in what order will depend You're on. You're giving the them enough special order, clearly, but. Uh... Yes, I've, I've taken my rule from all Ferrari Ferrari press releases Excellent. now on happy now for Hitler order. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's. It, I think yeah, we're going to get weather, and that's going to make it interesting because it always does. It you know, if ever a season needed some just adding of water, that's what this one needs. You know, um, you know what I the just, irony it, is, Nick? The irony is that there's a area of low pressure that's moving, a uh, high pressure rather that's moving across that part of Europe that should make the weekend fairly settled. <laughs> and whilst it's going to be persistently raining in the UK because we've got an Atlantic law coming in from the West uh, that uh, in uh, that part of Germany and, and more central parts of Europe, it looks like quite a settled weekend at the moment, although we're a, a few days out and it could actually be up to 18, 19 degrees Celsius. And coming up later that in the show, John, we'll do the shipping forecast. <laughs> that's both that's both ridiculous and, and slightly well. slightly frustrating but yeah i mean you know it, it is what it is isn't it but um i think you know the, the one thing i hope for the weekend and i think it's a it's a it's a real hope that i have is i hope that um we get lewis hamilton and uh, and bono and uh james vowels they they sit down together and they read the rules because that would help all of the rules all of the rules, including the ones that get issued in the supplementary regs. Viking, you know. North Sarah, South Sarah, <laughs> 40s, Cromarty, 4th, Tyne, Dogger, uh, uh, Fisher, German Bite, yes. Humber, Thames, Dover, White, Portland. There's not one between Humber and Thames. Plymouth, Biscay, Trafalgar. Fitzroy, Saul, Lundy, Fastnet, Irish yep. Sea, Shannon, Rockall, Malin, Hebrides, Bailey, Fair Isle, Fair Oars, South East Iceland. That's around the... I listen to it every night before I go what to bed. What is South at Zara and North at Zara then? Well, they're right up off the coast of Scotland. Okay. Or Norway. I didn't say I knew where they were. I just okay, know them enough. because I listened to it. Every night before, it's the thing I fall to sleep to. Fair enough. Bit of sailing by. I can't do all of the uh, weather forecasts from coastal stations. Um, <laughs> Sandetti San Lighthouse oh, Automatic, oh. obviously one of my favourites. All <laughs> <laughs> the weather forecasts for coastal waters. I know Boomer, it's Boomer. Um, I, I used to always think about the northeast coast, so it, it, Boomer and then Whitby, I think, is the next one down to there. But yeah, not bad though, eh? Very good. And don't forget, in, in P1 and the Nurburgring, we're seeing Callum Eilor and Mick Schumacher. Oh, yes, good point. Very good point. Um, looking further ahead in Formula One, uh, 100,000 tickets sold for three fifths of nothing at all for the Turkish Grand Prix uh, of I'm the Glad Dictators. I didn't buy one. Yes, absolutely. Uh, oh, apparently they now. didn't sell, so they've decided to put it behind closed doors. Oh no, they sold really well, and now they've they got a very well. Policy. 
Did they probably haven't got to work out a refund policy, but anyway, yeah, it's not happening because they've, they've, they've apparently what they've worked out is and this is amazing. There's this global pandemic thing going on, and if you have a lot of people in a really close area, it's not a good idea. And I don't know, it's, obviously, what happened was they didn't get they didn't get the memo a couple of weeks ago. No, I, I think told. it doesn't apply to autocratic regimes, does it? We didn't apply that. Yeah, you're right. It's, see, it's slightly applied to the autocratic regime in, in Russia, and they reduce the numbers. Um, but don't forget, actually, in a non-autocratic regime, um, but just one that doesn't have a balance of books in Italy, they're having 13,000 a day in uh, Imola. Yeah, tickets one, now three, on sale for the Grand Premio di Emilio-Romagna. Really? Right. Portugal, I don't know what they Presumably being sold they... by the European Central Bank, who own Italy now. <laughs> yeah. And Spain. Jeez, yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Anyway, um, but also, I don't know. I'd be interested if someone that can, can politics there, come Peter, back on sorry. Twitter and just say what Portugal's plans are, because they were going to sell 60,000 a day. I think I read somewhere that's changed, but I don't know whether that's changed to nothing or less. 11. They're selling fewer. 11. Not 11,000. Yeah, just fewer. 11, right. But 11 people would be allowed in. Well, which will be a record crowd for Portimao. But into, well, yes, <laughs> where the thought that we're going to put 60,000 a day in Portimao... Um, There's a lot of car parking. Yes, you wouldn't have been able to see the track, staff. though. But you have to bring your you have to bring your own methodology of cleaning the stand and bring it back up to health and safety levels because there's a tree in it. That's right. But like some of the old... Uh, That's there uh, for social distancing purposes, Nick. Yes, both sides yeah. of the tree, fine. <laughs> That's it, yeah. <laughs> We're using the arch method, the branch method. Yes. More from Nick David branch in the branch. second hour of the show, uh, when we'll be talking about bikes. On the podium last year, Jack Perkins joins On the Grid this week to help us preview the 2020 Bathurst 1000 and tell his story of a typically dramatic year. As open and honest as ever, Jack tells about how he did his deal to get On the Grid this year after his original drive fell over when his team closed due to COVID earlier this year. There's more from Jack about the new lapped car rules in place this year, making YouTube videos on the farm, and how they've tuned up the famous sign on the entry to Kawanji. Google it if you're listening overseas. Then the whole TRT team is in action to discuss their favourite ever Bathurst drives, the stirring performances behind the wheel that stand out in our own memories of the great race. With 20 possibilities, we came up with a whole range of cool stuff to talk about. On the grid, it's on at 9pm Thursday night UK time, only on RS1. We'll stay with some Australian news uh, after that and say good evening to Shea Adam. Let's do this pro- uh, properly. Hello, Shea. Hello. There you go. That makes everybody happy. Sorry, that was my finger trouble there, Tim. Um, uh, I was talking to Shea uh, whilst Krillsy's trail uh, was on. Uh, let's talk Aussie news, Shea. The big Aussie news is it's three in a row for Scotty Mack. Yeah, 13 out of 30 race wins so far in 2020 with the Bathurst 1000 up next, his defending race win from the controversial finish last year too. So for Scott McLaughlin, it's been a pretty good year despite not being able to make his IndyCar debut as of yet. He is going to be coming over to do that finale though over at St. Petersburg and more on that later. But it's interesting because Scott McLaughlin champion, three championships in a row. Jamie Winkup, second. He's got that locked in the bag, but the battle for third place is still on with Cameron Waters having a phenomenal year. He got his first win the last time out, the last round at Mm. the bend. He's trying to hold on to that third place in the championship ahead of SBG. 
I loved the shorter track at the bend. The long track didn't do very much for me. There weren't enough overtaking places. Uh, too few places where you were braking. The short track work, I thought, a lot better. And I thought it worked really, really well indeed. Uh, so only the one endurance race this year. It is Australia's great race. And as we've heard, Crazy will be talking about that. That's a couple of weeks hence. That same weekend as Matul Patil on that. Yeah. Yeah, pull an all-nighter after Petit and just stay up and watch the Bathurst. It'll be an all-nighter for me anyway with the way the time. (laughs) Might as well just stay up at that point. So you hinted there, after Bathurst then, uh, Scott's uh, next race is St. Pete's IndyCar. Yeah, so he was supposed to be making his debut well earlier in the year. I seem to want to say Cirque the Americas for some reason, or the Indy Grand Prix, one of those races. Obviously, that didn't happen with uh, international travel grinding to a halt and his ability to go back and forth being on um, put on ice, let's say. But now he doesn't have to go back and forth. So there's been a lot of speculation down under as to whether or not Scott would actually stay in Australia, do another seri- season of supercars when he's won pretty much everything that he wants to win after winning Bathurst last year. Um, but the decision is yet to be made. And to be honest, we don't know if there is a position for him open in IndyCar for next year. We don't know that the captain, Roger Penske, actually wants to run a four-car team. He's not getting rid of Pagano, and he's not getting rid of Will Power, and he's certainly not getting rid of the only guy who can still challenge Scott Dixon for the championship in Joseph Newgarden. So it's a little bit of an interesting situation, but it's still going to be fun to see how Scotty does on the tight streets of St. Pete. It might not be a Virgin Australia supercar round on a street course, but it is still an IndyCar round, so that'll be fun. Uh, Shed, don't go too far away. We need you in uh, our number two for a roundup of the American news. We'll take a few tweets here. At Speculatement, Kevin Payne says, Nick is spot on. The current F1 engine regs aren't relevant, along with all of the series, because they aren't hydrogen. <sighs> Controversial there. Nick Holland says, do we suspect Renault knew about Honda's decision in advance when they signed up to the new Concord Agreement and rebranded their works team to Alpine? Uh, and Dave Alcock says, do you think the 2026 rule revision taking into account uh, how OEMs are moving with hybrid BEV, hydrogen power for road cars, might either increase battery capacity in cars or we'll see hydrogen fuel cells with combustion power. It's interesting, isn't it? David Two Bruce, and I like this thought. I really do. At Spec Determined, says, surely it would make sense for Honda to stay at least one year in the new regulations uh, in 2022. It's feasible. Red Bull could have the best car and they'll have left again a year before winning the World Championship like in 2008 and 2009. Mm, very good. Uh, wasn't... Uh, Alexander Orkin says, wasn't uh, the uh, marketing value process and TGRTGW things going right, things going wrong processes, learning uh, the reason that Honda got in in the first place and Alexander Orkin has agreed with that. Uh, And Alan Prosser says, uh, no, we can skip past that one. Uh, hydrogen is certainly l- looking a better option, especially given some work in the USA. You renewables to generate hydrogen, and then using the hydrogen to power when there's no renewables. Uh, in the UK, the excess offshore uh, um, uh, electricity, wind-powered electricity, uh, can bring down the price of cracking uh, the 
uh, hydrogen out uh, as well. Uh, and hello, Brody. Thank you very much indeed for the picture of the 944 that you're working on uh, earlier on. Let's uh, let's uh, keep you keep. Let please will you? God, I can't talk tonight. Please will you keep your tweets coming in at Specutainment. And uh, just before we break and move into the second hour, news of a special offer uh, for Motorsport Magazine. We've been working with them for a little while now, and they're doing a fantastic deal for uh, the Le Mans edition and RSL and Radio Le Mans. Um, they've been writing about motorsport for. Um, almost 100 years now, let's be honest. Uh, and uh, as our listeners, you are entitled to download a copy of the Le Mans special completely free. Free. Uh, all you have to do to get it in the easy-to-read digital format uh, is go to motorsportmagazine.com forward slash Radio Le Mans. Uh, Eve will be tweeting that out in a moment. Uh, they'll be exploring the legend of the Mulzan Strait, the mysterious rumour of a secret driver in the 65 winning car. Oh, that's a good one. And the big talking points from this year's race plus Hughesy. That's Mark Hughes, not Warren Hughes. Mark's a taller and significantly more talented driving brother. Oh, he's, Hughes is going to kill us for that. Mark Hughes on the fallout between Sebastian Vettel and Ferrari. Ron Flockhart's lost talent and lunch with Jonathan Palmer. It's all in the uh, Le Mans edition and it's on the collective now, that link. And Eve at Radio Le Mans will tweet it. I'll retweet it here as we move into hour two of tonight's show. Midweek Motorsport. Half time. And while we swap ends, here's what's coming up. Jay Adam will stay with us and talk about some US news. We've got IndyCar news, uh, some engine news from there. We've got NASCAR. Uh, we've got IMSA, of course, this weekend from the Charlotte Roval. And I was there the last time that the sports cars uh, were there for the ALMS, of course. Nick Damon will be back with us to talk bikes. Uh, Tim's promised us a pointless press release of the week. Hope he doesn't let us down. More of your tweets at Specutainment and some scores as well. But next we'll catch up on the VCO Esports Victory Lane uh, from the DNLS, which was yesterday evening. Oh, uh, and we'll be looking forward to some more live racing at the weekend. Just the three events. Week Motorsport on RadioLeMond.com well, as John just said, uh, we had some live motorsport last night here on RS1 with the eighth round of the digital Nürburgring Langstrecker Zeri. And uh, in our VCO Victory Lane interview, we are about to hear from the race winner, but also some class champions. But first, here is that race winner, Kai Kashuba. Great race. Uh was really it was really hard hard competition and um, very difficult for us to judge where we are so fantastic result for us we are very happy kai early on you went off strategy it looked like everybody else was doing right let's run to the end of the fuel let's do sevens you did start like that uh, it looked like you were driving the pace on to make sure it was going to be 22 laps it ended up being 23 the pace was just a bit quicker and uh, yeah just 
by calculations uh, Nils, Nils was calculating while I was driving uh, we, we find out found out that uh, it will be one lap more but it was very tight so what did you have left at the end in terms of fuel Ah, we, we had uh, 2.8 liters I guess 2.8 liters oh. so we had a bit of a margin uh, but uh, it was it was tight yeah it's been a tremendous season of the digital Nürburgring Langstrecker series for you guys. Is that enough to, for you to clinch the championship? Ah, it will be hard. I mean, we have seen that Marle Racing team is uh, is always there, is always quick, and um, yeah, HGP was in front of us in the, in the standings as well before this race. So it will be very tight. I think uh, when when Marle makes no mistakes in the last race, they will just uh, they will just get it uh, if they win or not. Uh, because if they're not win, they are usually getting second places as well. So it will, it will be hard, but we will try everything we can. What made the difference for you guys today then? Was it making that decision early? Yeah, we came in early and um, yeah, we wanted to avoid the, the TCR traffic. So yeah, we got it later on, but uh, yeah, we wanted to avoid it. So to, to, to give them a chance to, to catch up and be on our bumper again for the whole race uh, that always, yeah, Makes makes incidents and so uh, so on happen. So we wanted to offset a little bit, uh, be in clean air. We knew that the pace was good. We also knew that uh, the longer the race is, the faster the Audi gets. Um, maybe in, in the qualifying it has a bit of a disadvantage, but on a used track it's a very quick car and the longer longer the race, uh, the, the more difficult it gets. And you can also see it in the lap times. So yeah, we just wanted to use the pace when we had it. Carl Janssen. And Sindra sets us. Sindra, congratulations both on the victory in the championship. Worked very well today. Uh, all thanks to Carl as well. Uh, Is there a slight danger, knowing that you've only got to have seconds, that that makes you drive and plan the race slightly differently? No, I said from the start that we'll go for the win as always, and then we'll see what happens. Like. Yeah, uh, it was good that we had some competition here today. The Team Moisingwell car was very fast in the beginning. I struggled very much to get away from it in the first stint. I saw they had some issues with some GT3 cars, which we mm. luckily got away from. And then from there on, it was just cruising. Because once the Moisingwell car retired, we had like a 20, 30 second gap or whatever down to second. So from there on, it was just getting to the end. Carl. Do you prefer to have the pressure of of racing somebody close by or was it actually quite nice to be able to just pace yourself through and get to the end of the race? Uh, today it was quite nice to just, just drive, to be honest. Um, been working today, so a bit tired and uh, it was just nice to to be able to just drive it. That's a good point, actually, because we're racing on a Tuesday night. That's unusual. Did that affect the way you were able to prepare for this race? I was at uni until like 50, well, to like three today. So, and then Carl was at work. So yeah, it definitely does something to the preparation. Yeah, I drive trucks. So I started working at the 0400 today. So I'm definitely more tired than I'm usually, than I usually am on a normal uh, uh, work day or normal weekend, I mean. So Sindra, how have you found the, the, the championship this season and how have you enjoyed it? I think it's been very good, especially in the beginning when there was so many people just wanting something to race with the crazy period we went through. We're still going through as well. Um, 
Yeah, I think it was very good in the beginning. Uh, even in the GT4 class, the racing is good, especially in the beginning. Today was very good. Carl, we'll, f- we'll finish on you. Some of the real-world drivers sticking in with this. Fabian Schiller was in there today in the in the top class. Uh, Adam Christodoulou as well. Uh, so nice to see those guys uh, continuing with their commitment to the virtual racing. Yeah, for sure. Um, helps bring the, the, what do you say, the racing to a bit closer level between both real life and, and sim. Um, it's quite nice to see some of them sticking around still. So... Yeah, pretty good. So what do you do for the last race, Carl? I don't know what we will do for like livery and car, but for sure I will will drive the last race. Um, I enjoy the series so much that yeah, it's just so fun to drive. Maybe we'll have a guest driver. Who knows? We can't announce the championship, but unofficially championship winners. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, thank you. So that uh, was Sindra Setzes and Carl Janssen who won the GT4 category uh, yesterday. One more round to come, but they are, uh, as I said unofficially, uh, they're having taken their sixth out of eight rounds in the 718 Cayman GT4, unofficially the class champions. You heard from Kai Kashuba, who with Niels Koch, uh, won overall in SP9, that's GT3 for BMW Bank with that rather funky strategy. Other class winners uh, included uh, Simon Grossman, Claudia Veed, uh, Claudius Veed rather, for the Cup 2 class in the Porsche GT3 Cup class car and Felix Luding and Jürgen Frank, both SIMRC teams there. Uh, winning Felix Luding in the uh, and Jurgen in the SP3T, the TCR category, uh, and 27th of October is uh, the uh, final round, and again that will be seven o'clock UK time in the UK. So that's Wednesday, the 27th of October. Uh, I'm, I'm told there'll be no program on the 28th because it's my birthday. Or everybody's just going to be really, really nice to me. You choose. Uh, and also at the weekend, we had the VCO Grand Slam. Uh, iRacing, Petty Lamont, Max Verstappen and Jonas Valmeyer won at that uh, at Road Atlanta. Uh, absolutely flawless uh, performance. Uh, uh, behind them uh, were Johan Hath and Michele Constantini in the Apex uh, LMP2 and uh, Maxime Briant and Dionlis Fialio in the sim racing Rosso Delara in third position. In GTE, Daniel Lafuente and Lasse Back, uh, well, had a fabulous win. They dominated in the same ways as uh, Verstappen and Valmai did at the front of the field. Uh, all BMWs bar one Porsche in that category. Sim RC Titan came second uh, with Charlie. Uh, Collins and Hayden Burns. So uh, that's our VCO victory lane this evening. 27th of October uh, will be on the air 6, 6.30 UK time uh, to take you through the finals of that. Shea Adams stays with us. Uh, just say it again, Shea, for everybody. Hello. There you go. Uh, let's go to IndyCar and start. We, we, talk, we start the show with Honda Engine News in Formula One. What can you tell us uh, about... Well, I'll tell you what, be, before we do that, let's go to the president of HPD, Ted Klaus, to tell us uh, a little bit about Honda's plans in IndyCar for engines. 
Motorsports is in our blood. Uh, really, really uh, proud of our 27-year continuous commitment to IndyCar, and it has paid dividends over and over again. And uh, you know, we race to hone the people inside of Honda, very similar to uh, Chevrolet. That's why we have such great races, and yesterday's race was, was just spectacular. And uh, we also race to connect with our customers and our fans. So as you said, Dave, you know, the hybrid technology, uh, electrifying our uh, award-winning products, that's a direction for both companies. And uh, it's great that we're going to place this technology uh, on behalf of the drivers and the series. And then uh, it's going to make it engaging. And so I don't know uh, how exactly we're going to do it, but we're going to find ways to do it. And just like when we were kids and uh, coming to this place took our breath away, uh, we're going to use this as a way to communicate to our future fans, but challenge all of our internal resources uh, for today to take us into tomorrow. So really appreciate the platform, the leadership of IndyCar, and we are just uh, proud to be here and looking forward to uh, more friends to come and play with us in the future. <laughs> So, uh, commitment from Honda, five more years from Chevrolet, not a, a political comment uh, there, Shea. Uh, tell, us, tell us about the engines first of all, because we're not getting the new engine formula when we thought we were. Correct. The announcement that came out this weekend was, yes, that both uh, engine partners will be continuing through the next engine cycle, which is expected to go through 2026. But the new 2.4 liter twin turbo V6 that is incorporating the KERS system, so the kinetic energy recovery system, it's been delayed for another year. So we're not going to see that until the beginning of 2023, which was a bit disappointing, but you can't really be too disappointed with that considering everything going on it's still going to be a 900 horsepower engine and they're expecting it to run from 2023 until 2026 which is the end of this cycle but great news in terms of chevy and honda both committing to that extended period of time with an indycar uh, and uh, yes well absolutely uh, and tim where do you want to go to next do you want to talk about the schedule we sort of touched on it last week or do you want to talk about the driver changes uh, some of which have uh, have been Enacted. I'd like to talk about the race first. Uh, the races, okay. to be honest. Which one? Yeah. yeah. I thought Saturday was better than Sunday, but I think I'm in a minority there. Totally well, was, agree with you, Tim. Wasn't it Friday and Saturday? Friday and Saturday. You know what yeah. I mean, yes. Friday so, and Saturday. So did you mean the first one was better than the, the first second one, was one on Saturday? The second one. Yes. Yes, the second I agree. one did not grab my attention. Completely agree. Um, and to be honest, Renus VK versus Colton Herta was the only thing that did grab my attention in the first race. And man, it grabbed it with both hands. Those two kids, we're going to get to watch them in IndyCar for a long time to come, hopefully. Uh, that is going to be some exciting racing because both of them were throwing punches. I mean, as Jim likes to say, you know, throwing overhand, there was a lot of that. And there was a lot of hardball tossing back and forth between the two of them. A lot of passing cleanly done needs to be said. Uh, but round of applause for both of them. In terms of the front of the field, though, that was kind of dull in both races. Yeah, and it is uh, Jim Roller's birthday today and Martin Havens uh, as well. So happy birthday uh, to those two. And we've got another wedding anniversary as well. It's Martin and Melanie Snow's uh, wedding anniversary today as well. It's getting more like two of your family favourites each week. Uh, Hinchcliffe came. if you want them. Go on, fire away, because Jeremy normally does this. Marco Apicella. Yeah. Vincenzo Spiri. Right. 
Uh, Neil Alberico. Uh, one of yeah. Jeremy's Team USA yeah. boys, of course. Yeah. And uh, we had him on the show last week, Richard Dean. Ah, right. Happy birthday, all. Uh, how did you rate the driver replacements? Uh, let's run through these. Hinge came in for Zach Veach. That's a bit of an odd one. Haven't really got to the bottom of that, uh, of why that's happened. Throw some light on that, first of all, if you can. Uh, the only thing that I will say was Veach was coming up to the end of his contract with Andretti. And Hinch has a big sponsor behind him. He's got money. Veach had a big sponsor behind him, too, with Gainbridge. And being a series sponsor as well, that, that was a bit mystifying to see him step out of the car. But on uh, Didn't Gainbridge really... drop onto another car? Uh, they were still on Hinch's car. Oh, yes, that's right. Yeah, which yeah. Was because they have signed the deal with that number for the remainder of the year. Um, but it is a big opportunity for somebody who's very marketable, and there's no arguing that James Hinchcliffe is yeah. very marketable. But they're clearly looking for something a little bit more looking towards uh, next season. Veach has not proven to be somebody who can contest up there for race wins. James has. Mm. He's got the race wins to prove it. So that is something very obvious for 2021. Uh, and Hinch has got that Honda Canada money as well, of course. Elio, uh, sorry, before we go on, how did you rate Hinch's performance? Difficult to jump in uh, at short notice, but... He did a good job. Um, it goes to prove the performances of all the people who stepped in for this race only or pair of races only that it's very difficult to drop in and out of the IndyCar season, which is going to be a challenge for Jimmy Johnson next year, assuming that he finds a sponsorship, which please, it's Jimmy Johnson. He should find the sponsorship. Mm. Um, but it's not the easiest thing in the world to come into it when you're not even out of practice, but you're just not used to driving the cars and be competitive. Hinch, I think, did a better job than Veach would have done in the same car in the same conditions. He was at least moving his way up and passing a lot of people in the midfield. But it still was a quiet weekend. Uh, Elio in for Oliver Askew, who uh, had his bell rung, really, didn't he? And yeah. he's still suffering a little bit from concussion. Nasty thing to have. Uh, Elio's been away for a while. And prove that he hasn't missed a beat on anything. I mean, he still has the um, the race fire in him for sure. He's won the last three races overall in DPI uh, for the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. The last three rounds out, he knows how to race. But he was with a new team, first time in 20 years that he raced for someone other than Roger Penske. Weird learning curve there. Uh, and. Pato Award was stronger in the second race where Elio had to worry about being lapped by Will Power. There was some weird pit strategy going on. It, it wasn't a great race at the end of the weekend for him to look back on, but it certainly was one to say, hey, look, put me in a car full time and I'm going to be right back up there where I need to be. Sebas, Sebastian Borde in at the AJ Foyt Racing Team. Very quiet weekend from Seabass. I'm expecting a much stronger performance when we see him coming to the streets of St. Pete, his home track. Uh, he's won there several times before, so he's no stranger in how to do that. Indy's always been a place that's been a bit tricky for Seabass, um, but it, it wasn't a great weekend in terms of trying to prove his worth and coming back to the series. If, if that was his resume and only his resume, you might just not look at it again. Uh, we sort of talked a wee bit about the the calendar and what we expected for 2021 last week and we know how much tim loves a calendar st Pete's march the 7th barber april the 11th long beach uh april the 18th texas double header may one two 
Indy Road Course, May 15th. Indy 500, May 30th. Now, observant listeners will have noticed <laughs> that we get to Indy 500 and we don't have an oval. But there are indeed only a, a, a handful, four oval races all year, Shay. And for the first time ever in IndyCar history, we go to an oval before we go to the Indy 500. So this is a big opportunity. We don't go to, to an oval. We don't. No, go we to... do. Texas is a doubleheader. Oh, sorry, yes, of course, Texas. Yeah, Texas. Yeah, That's yeah. The Texas so Motor we, Speedway. My excuse me. Yeah, we do get to break out the oval downforce package for both cars. That's going to be something new. Um, I don't think there's very much that translates between Texas and Indy, if no. I'm being perfectly honest. Um, but it's still a step in the right direction. And then no oval visits until the end of August when we go to Worldwide Technology Raceway. That's the one out in. Um, gateway I yeah think it is. correct um yeah so it's a it's a weird schedule it's a lot more road courses um but toronto's back on it i'm happy to see that nashville with their debut mm. the only thing that's a little bit weird is going to the indie road course twice over the course of the year instead of going there once and having a double header but again when the captain owns the series and he owns the track and 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 not a surprise uh, and as it stands, uh, Weather Tech Race will Laguna Seca on September the 19th will be the last uh, of the uh, events. Check out all the details at IndyCar's website. Uh, let's talk about the uh, the final race of the season that is coming up. It is all about Scott Dixon versus Joseph Newgarten. Uh, Joseph uh, knows how to win championships. Dixie... Uh, He's forgotten, <laughs> forgotten more about how to win championships than most people will ever know. The, the points difference, which was substantial, over 100 points, and in fact was 72 points before the weekend, down to 32 now. Which comes as a result of Joseph Newgarden's race win and his fourth place finish in the uh, second race i'll say it easier that way rather than say saturday race um yeah it's definitely the gap has shrunk is there time to make up that gap if dixon has a disaster start and joseph goes on to win the race yeah there's a chance qualifying uh, qualifying i, I mean that's well, that's normally where dixie's been strong but he, he's typically not had the consistency or the look in fairness in qualifying Correct. And and that's been the big difference because you look at the Mid-Ohio weekends, uh, weekend with the two races, both qualifying sessions, Dixon basically got caught out and that really screwed him up for proceeding throughout the rest of the weekend. That happened at Indy again in the first qualifying session. There was a red flag from Sato. Dixon never got to go out and set his fastest lap. It's all about timing. It's all about luck. But at the end of the day, being able to race your way back up, Joseph's last four finishes have been second, eighth, mm. first, and fourth, whereas Dixon's have been 10th, 10th, 9th, and 8th. So it's been a lot harder of a second half of the season for Scott Dixon. But come on, we're talking about a guy who won four races out of the first, what, six to kick things off. This is a guy who seriously has earned the championship for 2020. And if Joseph Newgarden can come back and steal that away from him, then Joseph will have earned the championship. Yeah, and how much does momentum matter then, Shea, do you think? If it wasn't going to a street course to end the championship, mm. if they were going someplace safe, like, say, Road America, um, I would say, yeah, momentum fully. Joseph's got the confidence. He's got everything. But they're going to St. Pete. 
And there's a reason that they start the season at St. Pete, because if you have a disastrous race, it's not going to ruin your championship. You go to a place like St. Pete and it's so narrow. There's such big repercussions for little mistakes. It's the kind of place where anything can happen, but I don't really put any stock in momentum going there. I put stock in qualifying well, racing well, staying clean, and then seeing where you are in the last 10 laps. It is a bit of a lottery sometimes uh, on a street circuit. Look, St. Pete's, in fairness, isn't your typical road circuit. Uh, it does have those sweepers, the fast sweepers out the back and the airport runway down the front, but there's a lot of places where big... Uh, uh, where uh, big things come from small mistakes. A quick chat about NASCAR before we move on to IMSA. Uh, the the big 48. Uh, we've we've got a new 48 uh, driver uh, shortly. So cast your mind back to a few years ago when Chase Elliott came into the championship. He inherited Jeff Gordon's number, and it was a big burden for him. Mm. He didn't really start to flourish until they moved him in the nine, which in fairness is a big burden to carry when it's your dad's number, but he's really thrived in that position. Now we're in a position where Alex Bowman, who has done an excellent job carrying the pressure of running the 88 Dale Jr.'s number, he's now moving into Jimmy Johnson's number with the 48. He's still in the playoffs. He still has a hope of winning the championship this year, but now he's gonna have a huge major sponsor in the form of Ally. That could be a very strong bond for Bowman going forward. Uh, okay, share for the moment. Uh, Tim, where to next? Time now for some two-wheeled action, and Nick Damon is still with us uh, because World Superbike uh, took place in Manicourt in France at the weekend. Very, very wet. Very wet. Very, very, very wet. wet. <laughs> to be fair, it was very wet everywhere, Nick. Yes, and I have to admit that after all these years of success, it was an unmitigated failure for Johnny Ray because he failed to <laughs> win his 100th Grand Prix, and he won 99 races, and he failed to secure the World Championship, and he now needs a whole point at the next round. Can I ask... Uh, Which is in Spain? No, it's in Estoril. Oh, Portugal. Can I, can I just yeah. ask a technical question? Does the Super Paul race not count, then, as a race win? It does. All right, so that's counted. Yes. So he won race one yeah. and the Super Pole race. Yep. Yes, they were Thanks. 98 and 99. So primarily um, because the BMWs took themselves off the front row twice. Well, they were they were taken off in the first time by by the Yamaha of uh, of the of Gerrit Gerrit Gerlag from uh, Germany Germany from uh, from United, United States of America. Which, in fairness, is he, he's been having a very good rookie season. He's been very good indeed. But that was a bit of a mistake. Mm, it's a start. I interested. We've had a a much bigger um, output than you would normally expect. So I don't really blame Gale off. It was one of these things where he kind of well, he didn't really do a huge amount wrong or different, but it just he pinballed one one into the other, and they both went off and disintegrated. So it was quite an expensive problem for BMW. Uh, they started on the front row of the Super Bowl race, but uh, Johnny Ray took that ahead of Alex Lowe's and Michael von der Mark. Uh, Alex Lowe's was third to Lawrence, uh, Loris Baz and Johnny Ray in the first race. And uh, in the final race of the weekend... It was less wet. It was less wet. And didn't that make a big difference? It did because because uh, Johnny burned his tires up, didn't he? And he Very fell unusual. down from. Uh, he was ha- he, Scott Redding got through off a couple of laps, and Scott had to win, or it was all over. Johnny had to come in the top three, and then Lawrence Baz and Chaz Davis got past him, 
um, as his tyres went off. So he, and he, then he just did, he just trundled back and he sat there going, oh, fair enough, then I'll have to score a couple of points next time round. <laughs> and that was it, really. Sits on 340 with Scott Redding on 281 and Charles Davis making it an all UK rider top three. Kawasaki, Ducati, Ducati. Michael van der Mark is the best of the Yamahas on 203. Then Alex Laws uh, on the second of the Kawasaki's in fifth. And your favourite Turkish rider? Top rack. Razgan Yoglu on the yep. Yamaha on 175 in the top six. So what's the numbers then as they go to where they're um, off to? Scott needs, they're going to Estoril in Portugal. Estoril, and, yes, um, yes. Jonathan needs three points. Really? He's got, he's got, yes, he's got enough wins. Right. Most you can get in a race in a weekend is 62, and he's 59 ahead. He needs three points, which is really hard not to get. So the only way, and this is, this is, I was thinking about that. How can he not win this? The only way he could not win this is he becomes COVID positive. That's the only way. So really? if he doesn't talk to anybody in the next 10 days, because he, he, he just he, he can't not score three points at a superbike round. Right now, yeah, even you is that around, the last round, yeah. the next round? Yes. Sorry, yes. I should know that, but... Yeah, right. it's all over. Okay. And of course, don't forget, the thing about the superbikes is he did actually start properly at the beginning of the season. It was one of the only championships to get get underway. Oh, yeah. Back in Australia. Right. Yeah, um, that point. and Moto2 and Moto3 actually started, and nothing else did. And then they had the big the, pause. Yeah. Yeah. So, yes, so he's, on his, he's on his way to six and um, being definitely the best motorcycle racer in the world this year because, frankly, the MotoGP people have been awful. Stroke, amazing. Stroke, terrible. What, Stroke, did anyone want to win this championship? No. What, what's amazing for me is I mentioned the top six there and there was no Honda in it. We were talking about Honda in, in motor racing with four wheels earlier on. Their MotoGP season hasn't been great and the man who ran away with the first half of hasn't been great well I, 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 I'm, I'm you know you never know when honda might need a new pr executive yeah good point. Um, yeah, good point. the uh, the man who ran away with the the championship and was cruising the victory with over 100 points of an advantage alvaro bautista uh, last year is the best honda but he's down in ninth place with 99 leon haslam is in 10th with 91 that's 99 and 91 doesn't even if you put them together, they'd only be in fifth place, just ahead of Alex Laws, and, yeah. st- and they'd still be two hundred points um, or a hundred plus points anyway behind Johnny Ray. Yeah, but it's the first year of that bike of the new Fireblade. Um, they've both been off it rather too often, which is either over trying or um, a bike that's a little bit, you know, inconsistent. You would expect them to make major gains next time round uh, for next year, but you know it's still it's a it's a big ask to catch up with Kawasaki and Ducati, who are so established. I mean, it's taken Yamaha years to get close. Uh, that's true. Should uh, Bautista have uh, have stayed where he was? Would he have had a better chance again this year? Although he did rather blot his copy boot last year, didn't he, when he exploded into tiny pieces? He might have had a better chance, but I think the thing about Alvaro is Alvaro is not in his first. He, he's not exactly a spring chicken, and there was a significantly bigger check at Honda. So you can see why he's chosen to go there. Uh, Michael van der Mark, best of the Honda, uh, best of the Yamaha's. And he's, sorry? Off to BMW. Yeah, best of the BMWs uh, this year is Tom Sykes. Yeah. Down in 12th place. That, I just, BMW, so this is the first time it's done anything, which is, and it got, and then it made itself look worse. They'd been better off not qualifying at the front, wouldn't they, this weekend? Yes. Um, but it's just, it, I just don't understand how what is comprehensively the best road bike just doesn't work on the track. 
it, it, that is a very good point, Nick, because that thousand RR, you've had a couple of them, haven't you? I've had a couple of those, and, and if you and I've still you know, walk into uh, the gentleman's lending library known as WH Smiths and uh, read a motorcycle magazine, and it's still winning all the the, the comparative tests of the of the superbikes as the best road bike. But you know that it's a of shows us just what a different thing making these race bikes is. Doesn't that tell you just how? complex now and how much development goes in to the world superbikes they aren't really a, a stock bike at well, all. not that we yeah. ever thought they were but it's the engine that is that has somewhat been an issue with DM, bmw I, I i think it's generally accepted that the chassis hasn't been an issue but they just simply couldn't get enough power out of the engine um reliably uh, for the yeah. racing side of things and with the course with the electrics, electronics are kind of you know standardised and Correct. and it's yeah I mean I think it's 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 interesting because yeah you're absolutely right these are not road bikes they're much much closer and of course Superstock 1000s are much closer still but yeah. it's you know they are the closest you probably get at, the, at a top level of motorsport to actually using something that goes on the road but even so yeah I mean it's, it just shows you the development needs to go into a, a, a road bike into a racing bike and it's effectively replaced everything probably apart from the uh, I think the blocks the same I think. Uh, and Portugal, as we said, for the series finale, Tim? Uh, some debutante news. Right. For oh. that series finale at the Sequito Estoril. Mm-hmm. Uh, because Loris Cresson will be making his World Superbike debut. For whom? Kawasaki. Okay. Which one? Uh, the Outdo Kawasaki TPR team. Okay. Well, he... But but he's a, a Yamaha rider in, in the super sports, isn't he? He is, yes. For Yamaha Team Toth. <laughs> Oxo. Oxo Yamaha Team Toth. I've just looked that, that up. Is, that is correct, yes. Why is, Locker, why is Locatelli not moving up, considering he's won every mm. single race this season? Yeah, that's a very good point. Uh, Cresson said, I'm so excited to join the Pedicini team for the last round of this year's Superbike World Championship. Honestly, after a difficult season and the year we've had, it's the best thing to have happened i'm eager to get to portugal telling myself i'll money put down then telling myself i'll race a superbike and be in the same super pole as the likes of scott redding or johnny ray or leon hasdam is crazy i remember in barcelona i saw leon and said hello he's 21st in the championship with 12 points at the moment um and i'm he might be the best belgian in there yes he is uh, Good to know. In fact, <laughs> it's his third season of World Supersport as well, so it's time he moved on. Mm. Yes, I, I, I wonder then uh, if there's been a bit of money thrown down. Oh, John, I've got some more debutant oh, news. Alan, you know that. Oh, go on then. Uh, but this is not until next year, uh, because. Lucas Myers will be present on the grid for the 2021 World Superbike Championship uh, in the Pachetti Kawasaki. On. On a Pachetti Kawasaki. Yes. Mm-hmm. He is the World Supersport Champion. Second in the championship at the moment, uh, training by 84 points of 2017. On the Kawasaki. Oh, right. Uh, <laughs> but uh, the Frenchman uh, trills Andrea Locatelli the Italian, by 84 points currently. He said, this is the best news for me. I'm really happy. The sweetest moment of my career. No, okay. Well, I haven't worked out. He was an even smaller boy. 
doesn't mention his childhood at all. Really? That's poor. Ah, Pointless press release then, isn't it, really? Someone's not written that properly. Yes, exactly. We do have a pointless press release. Would you like to hear it? It's not about bikes. No, we'll keep that for later. Well, in that case, let's do some sports cars uh, now. Uh, Do you want to do the... ELMS flavoured ones or the uh, WeatherTech Sports Car Championship flavoured ones first, John? Right. Well, we've got shit. So well, let's do the ACO uh, ones first. ELMS is this weekend, uh, and that's at Monza. Yes. Uh, and uh, it's going to be Johnny Palmer and Peter Snowden who cover that for us. Uh, this weekend on Saturday and Sunday with the Michelin Le Mans Cup as well. Uh, they're, they've held up pretty well for their entries. Uh, I think people are quite uh, excited about going to uh, Monza. It's not the only Italian event we've got. I'll come back to that uh, in a moment. But as we're doing uh, WEC, so check the uh, all the, the details on the website. Uh, for that, uh, and JP and Snowy will take you through that at the uh, weekend. Shea, WEC's not that far away, but we have had some news. Uh, Johnny Morland was on the show last week talking about Red River Sport. He hinted about some changes in the driver lineup and him not wanting to be player manager, and an announcement has come today. Yes. Yeah, so um, basically what's going to happen with Red River Sport is when they go to Bahrain, it will be Bonamy Grimes still driving the car, but alongside Kay Cozzolino and Colin Noble, who are two silver rated drivers, they've got eyes on next year and they're looking at bringing more drivers in house to Red River Sport. Colin Noble is already somebody who's been a part of that program for some time now, but they're giving him a GT car drive. And Kay Cozzolino is a driver that uh, Johnny's been quite fond of for a long time and now wants to see what he can do in there for yeah, I think that's a good uh, good move from uh, JMO. Uh, sadly, and, uh, and not unexpectedly, I think. Um, well, actually, no, I'm going to turn that around. Let's celebrate the fact we have 25 cars for the WEC. I said that I thought that any international series that could get 25 cars this year was doing well. They still have 25 cars, although LMP1, of course, looks a bit light. Uh, two cars. So... A bit light might be a bit generous. Uh, the only two cars are the still two that have a shot at the championship, mm. which is going to be exciting to see which of the Toyota uh, driver trios can come away with it. Because to be honest, it is kind of fair game still, which is really fun. In LMP2, seven cars missing high class racing. They've left uh, GTE Pro as exactly as expected with the six cars two driver lineups for each, and then the six cars for GTE Amp. And if we want a moment to rejoice about <laughs> something's not changing, the 88 Dempsey Proton Racing Porsche, TBA is listed across the board, so that's consistent throughout the entire season. Right, so that's to come in a couple of weekends' time. We've mentioned the ELMS, which we'll have coverage uh, of uh, at the weekend from Monza, uh, we have got the Copa Florio from Sicily at the weekend. First time in 40 years that that's been contested off nearly a hundred years worth of uh, of history with the uh, Targa Florio, etc., etc. I've just counted up and uh, Creventing have managed to put together 10 GTE uh, GT3 Pro cars. Uh, and am cars uh, amongst a team uh, uh, amongst a an entry of 20 it'll be uh, Nick Damon and Joe Bradley principally bringing you that in sound 
and Vision at the weekend. Looking forward uh, to that. The first international motor racing series at the Autodromo de Pagusa and a Pagusa since 2012. And it will make up now the penultimate round of the 24-hour series in Europe. And they're going to drive, and this is the bit I wish I could be there to see. They're going to drive a, what they call a ceremonial parade of racing cards through the mountains on public roads from the track to the town of Enna. Now, the last time I did anything wow. like this, uh, it, uh, it got out of hand. It was in Bahrain. And it got out of hand on the way back and turned into a fully-fledged road race. The police have, uh, are working really hard with the 24-hour series to make sure that that is exactly what happens in Sicily. Um, <laughs> um, so that is uh, Saturday, six hours Saturday, six hours Sunday. Uh, and we have the race uh, live in sound and vision. Um, uh, we're uh, not sure what's happening with qualifying at the moment. It will happen and we'll have the timing running for that uh, as well. Uh, so we'll see uh, if there's going to be some live coverage of that. So stand by. If we can, we'll try and do some Billy Bonus coverage of that as well. Uh, our other coverage, because we've only got three races, uh, full metal uh, this weekend. Four, Thank goodness. Really. Well, yes. Uh, yeah, well, mm, yes, because you've got the Michelin Road to Le Mans. Yes, absolutely yeah. right. Uh, <laughs> in three different venues in uh, different parts of the world uh, it's the lime rock park gt event which is being held at charlotte at imsa uh, this weekend on the new roval which has been part of the uh, nascar cup series for the last couple of seasons uh not the same version of the track that i saw back in the imsa days um Short, first of all, shortened race, Shea. That's the first thing we should point out. 100 minutes. And yeah. guess what is supposed to be happening, John? Uh, rain. Rain. Rain on an oval. So we'll see what happens. Um, our yeah, but it doesn't stop the race. It, it won't stop the race for, for IMSA, no. will it? No, it won't. But the interesting thing will be how it affects the other series, which is supposed to be running Xfinity. on track that same day, which would be Xfinity. They did run in the rain at Road America. Remember, they mm. had the option of using the rain tires earlier on in the year. I'm not sure if that's an option when they're actually running on a roval. Um, I'm not sure how that'll change the surface or the point. reaction between a Michelin and a Goodyear. It, it's, it, there's a lot of unknowns. Uh, there, there's almost nothing known going into the weekend. I, I mean, the, the thing is that uh, sports cars are used to running with mixed tyre compounds. So uh, that's nothing new for Michelin. They race with Goodyear rubber and against Goodyear rubber in other sports car championships uh, with some of their customer tyres. So I, I expect that that won't be so much of an issue as time. Um, in terms of our coverage uh, on IMSA Radio and IMSA TV, it's all Saturday. We've got Saturday qualifying and Saturday race. And effectively, they wait until the Xfinity guys have, have pretty much de-rigged from the paddock. 
Yeah. Um, so Saturday, we've got uh, the practice in the morning, the qualifying at noon, and then the race late after the Xfinity race, assuming the Xfinity race runs to time, which again could be affected by rain and all that. Um, but it's going to be a compact weekend. I've seen some in-car videos, uh, mostly mm. from Gradient Racing, and many Very thanks good. to them for passing it along yeah, well done, with Dex. Mark Miller narrating it. It, it yeah. was really, really good. Thanks, Dex. Um, but I've also heard of a lot of um, instances of things not going well for people in testing from other teams. The Porsche factory team had two cars that were pretty severely damaged out of a test run at the track. Um, Corvette Racing and BMW have both run there as well. So it's going to be a very... Um, uh, let's put it this way, John, there are 18 cars slated to start the race between the practice session on Friday and then the practice session Saturday and qualifying. I'm going to be surprised if 18 actually do start because there should be some cars meeting walls where they shouldn't be. Um, but there might be 18 cars starting with slightly different liveries than they planned on. Uh, yeah. Yeah, very, very interesting uh, qualifying and the race we have. Uh, let's rattle through a few IMSA stories. Uh, Frankie Monte Calvo uh, is rather busy this weekend. He and Paige are finally getting married. Uh, they had been planning to get married much, much earlier in the year, but due to COVID had to postpone their wedding. They rearranged it for this weekend. That weekend is now a race, thanks to the schedule getting mixed up again. So Michael de Casada, the American, is stepping in for Frankie Montecalvo to the number 12. He is not the only substitute we have this weekend, as Jeff Kingsley is in for Corey Fergus. He'll be driving the Compass Racing McLaren for the remainder of the season. They're only doing the sprint races, remember with Paul Holton. So Jeff Kingsley, who's leading the GT3 Cup Championship, is going to make his debut in this series as well. And wow. on a track that will be quite difficult for Jeff, uh, well, quite difficult for everyone having no data to base themselves off of. Uh, let's talk about um, uh, My Shank Racing, MSR. Um, actually, no, let, because that's uh, that's going to be DPI. So let's talk about some other IMSA news then. Um Joao Barbosa, uh, with immediate effect, they have, and I quote, mutually agreed to terminate their their partnership at Mustang Sampling and Joao Barbosa. Yeah, and to be honest, this story, it, it makes me sad. Um, Joao Barbosa has been a part of that program, that um, partnership with Mustang Sampling. The team, which used to run with Action Express, they won three uh, Michelin Endurance Cup championships or, you know, the endurance championships. They won three of them together as a team, two times a DPI champion going back since the merger. But Tristan Vaudier now stepping in to drive full season with uh, Sebastian Bourdais. It's not as if Barbosa has been slow. He's been faster than Bourdais at two of the six races this year, Daytona for the 24 hours in Road America in terms of fastest lap time. But he was outperformed last year by Philippe Albuquerque. But if you're going to put anyone up against Philippe Albuquerque, it's not going to be a fair battle. So for that, it does just leave me feeling a little bit sad. Uh, one Mazda DPI for 2021. Tinknell and Jarvis getting the call up to drive full season. That's going to strike fear into the hearts of everyone else in DPI. It is Jonathan Bomarito in for the endurance races. Quite surprising because Tristan Nunez has been the fastest driver of the quartet half the races so far in 2020. He's either actually been the fastest of the four or the slowest of the four. He's never been in the middle. Um, but he is taking a new role as a brand ambassador and he will be, quote, used to assist with vehicle dynamics. 
I can't imagine him not getting a dr- not being offered drive elsewhere, and and I wonder whether he'll be allowed to uh, accept that. Okay, uh, my shank racing in the DPI. Uh, possibly a couple of cars for IndyCar as well. They've had some backing from Sirius XM uh, because of the mayor and Mayor Shank, although he's now retired from Sirius XM. But that company is majority owned by Liberty, who are the people who've taken uh, a little investment in MSR. Exactly. And if when you break it down that way, it seems very straightforward. When you read the headlines about the company that owns Formula One <laughs> buying into Meyer Shank Racing, you think, hey, wait a minute. But then you realize they own most of Sirius XM. Sirius XM has been a major sponsor on the MSR cars for a few years now. It all pieces back together. And congratulations to Mike, who is currently building a new um, shop in Indiana as well. Uh, as are Rahel Letterman Lanigan as well. Uh, Piers Phillips has just tweeted uh, some pictures and he's got a very big corner office, but he's not going to be able to sit there and pick his nose because everybody's going to see windows everywhere. <laughs> um, uh, let's move ahead to some uh, Motul Patil Mon news. Uh, and good to see we've got some uh, wildcard entries coming in. Inter-Europol is going to make their debut in IMSA competition, running with Austin McCusker, former series champion of the LMP3 category. Rob Hodis, who's a guy who's run in pretty much every IMSA support series that he can find his hands on. And Jacob Schmikowski, who is the full-time driver for Inter-Europol, the guy who's run with them the last two Le Mans. So it's going to be fun to see a few more cars running in the LMP2 category when we get to Petit. Yeah, I think that's uh, smart. And Cooper Smikowski uh, is very, very good. Indeed, you'll be happy because we've got some Canadian plaid back. Team Canada coming back. Fast Motorsports. And thanks, by the way, to Steve Bordelotti, who's kept in close contact with me throughout all this to let me know when they would be coming back south of the border. It is coming back once again. The red Porsche. It's Lars Kern. Zach Robichon and Dennis Olsen, the trio that finished third last year. Not a big surprise when you consider that Multool is the big sponsor on the side of their car and the big sponsor on the side of mm. the race. So that's going to be an exciting uh, reunion nonetheless. And staying with uh, Petit, uh, Starworks are coming back, although without Ryan DL, of course. That's, um, that ended oddly earlier this year. Yes. Yeah, it did. There was some um, some weird stuff going on uh, between Ryan Dial um, and not with Peter Barron, um, with the other aspects of the team. So Mikkel Jensen has been announced as being one of their three drivers for Petit Le Mans. We don't know who the other two are yet, which is interesting. Um, but that is something that we're going to find out here shortly. And we also are waiting to find out if we're going to be getting Era Motorsport back because last I heard, Dwight Merriman was not yet cleared to drive. Uh, we talked to Zach Brown on the Haggerty 25th hour. He hinted about LMP3 rather than LMP2. Confirmed now that they'll come back to Deer Turner in 2021 with two lease years in LMP3, which, of course, uh, will be very interesting. That's going to be part of the big race. And some calendar news. We talked about IndyCar. Uh, IMSA back at Detroit, but not on the same date as IndyCar. Correct, because the IndyCar race is now a clash with Le Mans. So Detroit will be the weekend before, that's June 4th and 5th. DPI and LMP2 for points, GTD for sprint championship only. Uh, and on Sarah and uh, Sarah uh, Rigby and Martin Rigby's wedding anniversary, we have some Aston Martin news. 
We do. Um, the team that has run with four different marquees in four different years is switching once again. So Archangel, which has previously run as Volt, is switching to Aston Martin for the remainder of 2020. They will be in a yellow Aston Martin coming up for the round at Petit Le Mans the same weekend. Looking forward to 2021. So remember back at the start of 2017, they started in McLaren. Then they switched to Ford. They ran Ford for a year and a half. Then they switched to Porsche. They've now run Porsche for a year and a half. And now they're with Aston Martin. So welcome to a new family. Uh, but something stay the same. Another great Andy Blackmore livery uh, on yes. that. Shea, thanks for rattling through all that. IMSA on Saturday with qualifying and the whole race live sound and vision, of course. And qualifying, you can watch and listen in the States. Uh, we've got the 100-minute race uh, for those of you outside of the US. Thanks, Shea. Speak to you next week. Yep. The news that no one is talking about. The stories that aren't reported anywhere else. And for valid editorial reasons. Pointless press release of the week on Midweek Motorsport. Uh, all right, let's go. Airspeeder. The all world's right. first electric flying car racing series. Oh, no is delighted to what? announce a landmark technical and strategic partnership with Acronis, the global leader in cyber protection. Really? You need to rewind virtually all those words. The world's first airborne car race. Electric flying car racing, yes. Dubbed the F1 of the skies. Is there a person in this car or is it like... You know, yes, drone? there is a person in... I mean, the original concept was for drones, but now... Um, now I think they put people in them. I, I, I've quickly uh, <laughs> found this, and it does look doesn't like... doesn't take a lot of finding. This, it looks like the, the speeder race out of that awful Star Wars. Um, oh, right, the first one. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, and the they first... call them speeders. They do, so air speeder and speeder. But they're not actually flying, they're hovering. Uh, hmm, they've got wings, sort of. It looks like one of those big DJ, uh, you know, the DJI um, yeah, drones yeah. that looks a bit like a brick. Well, instead of it looking like a brick, it's a bit more aerodynamic, and it does have a pilot in it. Motorsports future heroes, they call their pilots. Right. Sign up today. What to be a future hero? We are calling the. Uh, we are calling to the world's most elite pilots from military, civil, UAV, motorsports, and even esports backgrounds. But you are going to have to get in it. Just remind yourself that. Yes. I'd like to point out at this point, it does become massively important. You're very light. But the good news is. So effectively, small people only. Are these the people who demonstrated at the Goodwood Festival of Speed last year, aren't they? Yes. Are they actually? I don't know. Yeah. They, they've been doing a lot of testing in uh, South Australia. We ought to have had Crailsy on for this. He's probably heard of them. Well, if it's South Australia, he'll be right there. So He might even be uh, one of these speed pilots. They're going to have the Cuba Duel at Cuba, South Australia. The Cuba Peaty. Cuba Peaty, is that what that says? Yes. Uh, you must have heard of Cuba Peaty. Um, P-E-O-D-Y, is that how we say that, right? Uh, and the Mojave Desert, or Mojave Desert. Uh, we should right. have had What year that. is this going to happen? 2021, mate. It's all happening. Those have been announced now, so they're happening. And then there's two TBAs oh. on the calendar. Yeah, which looks like the... It looks like it says the Canyon 
GP. Yeah. And the high GP or the something GP, which looks like it's over water. <laughs> Nothing could possibly go wrong there. I've just, found, I've just found something else called Air Race E in my search. Oh, really? Is that... That's electric plane, so like a little electric. Oh, that's 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 plane. old hat, really? that mate. Old hat. This I'm, is a I'm sport for this century. And it's back in the 2019s here. Airspeed is I a am. sport for this century. Come on. Airspeed is Catch built up, on the man. philosophy that nothing accelerates technical progress like sporting competition, Nick. Well, that is true. The next generation right. sport plays the same role that the pioneers of Formula One did a century ago. It is genuinely. I've just I've found the site now. It has been absolutely been designed by someone who's, who's who's either watched far too much episode one or played far too much Wipeout. Um, but the good news is, thanks to this new the partnership, they won't get hacked. Yes, right. because uh, the cybersecurity uh, is key for them. Yeah. Key. Well, I can imagine that because the last thing you want is to be having, you know, um, your uh, Mojave jewel in the desert. And somebody hacks your planes and uh, your speeders all go off in different directions. Or downwards. Yeah. Or upwards. <laughs> I can't help feeling that this sounds like they should have it up, down, flying around. But there's a magnificent men, they're flying machines. I think it? it's a brilliant idea. And I think we should be on airspeeder TV. Hey, you know me. I'm, I'm slightly concerned. I'm looking at the pictures now. And they really have effectively just graphically upscaled a drone well, it's 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 the flown really they just don't look like they've got enough combination of motor power and uh prop power to lift a person they've had a know. successful first flight that's different from going fast though isn't it after a successful first flight the crew set the speeder against an increasingly risky series of challenges culminating in an epic chase through the desert so Season they have two one, of them episode then. ten of S P to T V. We'll be have watching two of that them. later. <laughs> Will we? Do we yeah. have to? Well, it's, it's... Hang on. They're hiring. Got some jobs available. Excellent. Uh... I think we've given them enough now to get us the commentary gig. Because obviously we are the voices for this. You know all about electric yep. motors. Let's, we need to speak to uh, uh, a guy called Stephen Stephen Sidlow, but he's the head of media, so he needs to employ all of us right. straight so, away. Yeah, absolutely. We know about this stuff. You know electric motors. Oh, I fly helicopters. The only interesting thing about him is um, Stephen has joined Airspeeder from Robo Race. So from one event that never happens to another event that may never happen. And let's move on to an event that uh, is going to happen. Uh, and that is this weekend's Rally Italia Sardinia. The what, sorry? Rally Italia Sardinia. Oh, yes, yeah, absolutely. Crack uh, on. Elvin Evans, adamant his position at the top of the FIA World Rally Championship, will not affect his approach. Uh, the Welshman opened up an 18-point lead over Toyota Gazoo racing teammate Sebastian Ogier. When uh, becoming the first driver to win twice this year in Turkey last month, he insists he won't be distracted by the biggest margin enjoyed by the series leader this season. Anything can happen between now and the end of the season, he said. One retirement and the whole thing's on its head again. I'm not thinking about <laughs> it. Bad choice of words. <laughs> In a rally car, absolutely. Uh, Ogier's test last week provided valuable insight into what might lie ahead on the Mediterranean holiday island. We had some heavy rain, he said. Mm. 
And Frenchmen, along with Evans and Callum Wilf and Pewa, will defend Toyota's nine-point Manufacturers Championship lead over Hyundai Motorsport. The Korean squad feels a strong lo- line-up that boasts three Italy wins in the last four years. Uh, Tanak slipped 27 points behind Evans after retiring his I-20 car in Turkey. And the 2017 winner cannot afford to concede further ground in his bid to defend the world title. There's probably supposed to be some upset there, but I don't have it. So yeah, uh, I'm, I'm told. For. I'm told it's Mojave. Uh, it is is Mojave, how you say. Yeah. The desert one two four nil one three two nil one one. Uh, Luxembourg and Liechtenstein appears to didn't kick off. Neither did Andorra or Cape Verde. Cape Verde. Uh, and I, w- I was, in fact, watching the airspeed of video. That's all we've got time for uh, this evening. Lots of live sport this weekend. Uh, Saturday and Sunday, it is the Copa Florio from uh, from the de foot of Italy. From Enric Bagusa, yes, absolutely. Two six-hour races. We've got that in sound and vision. Uh, Johnny and Snowy will be covering the ELMS. That's a four-hour race at Monza. And Shay, Jeremy and me will be looking after uh, the Charlotte Roval IMSA race. Uh, that's all on Saturday. Qualifying and the race uh, late on Saturday evening UK time. We'll be back next Wednesday evening. Happy anniversary again to Sarah and Martin. You've got full value uh, tonight and there's no time to explain. Oh, oh, the llama has got the goggles and the leather helmet and is in the speeder. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.